1: And you might think it's selfish. It is not selfish. Like you are doing everybody else a huge service if you are as strong as you possibly can be during this time. And honestly, forever. Welcome to Better
0: with Dr. Stephanie. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for women just like you with a deep desire for learning, self-actualization and becoming more of who you already are. Every week we are going to deconstruct how to build better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex and better families. I'll be giving you access to world class thought leaders to help give you the tools to answer this question What are the simplest things that you can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and want to share the juiciest questions, topics, and often taboo conversations that I think I've always wanted to be a part of and I wanted to be having. So let's get better together. Welcome back Bettys to another episode of Better with Dr. Stephanie. This is our Monday episode, which means it is an interview, and I have a very special one for you today with one of my personal mentors, JJ Virgin. Now, JJ is a triple board certified nutrition expert, fitness hall of famer. She's a podcaster and four-time New York Times bestselling author of titles, including The Virgin Diet, JJ Virgin's Sugar Impact Diet, and The Companion Cookbooks. Her book, which we talk a little bit about in today's episode, The Warrior Mom, Seven Secrets to Bold, Brave Resilience, is the reason why I'm bringing you this episode today. We are in the depths of winter, and I really feel like for those of us that have four seasons, uh, and even for those of us that do not, I think it's really important to really be doubling down on mindset when we have some of the other things around us, our environment, like less sun, more cold, it's harder to get outside. These things can really impact our mental health and well-being. Now, before I get into some of the things that we talked about with JJ, I do want to read one of the reviews that came in from the US and her handle is the best (laughs) handle is I'm a Betty (laughs) and she calls her review is called informative, inspirational, and I love it. I feel Dr. Stephanie's podcast speaks directly to me. I love the geeky magic as well as the guest interviews. Thank you for being my perimenopausal guide to everything going on with the body, mind and soul and I can't wait to read your book. And this is from I'm a Betty. And like I said last week, I feel like you guys, when you leave me ratings and reviews like this, I, I smile from ear to ear because they're so amazing. And I'm so appreciative because I know how much time it takes to write a review, to go and find it, to click, to create a username, all those things. So thank you so much. And if you are feeling like this podcast is delivering value to you, that you have got something out of it, I would love to hear what that is. So please feel free to head over to Apple iTunes and leave the pod a review. All right, so on to the show with my mentor, JJ Virgin. So we talked about in this episode, a lot of things around mindset, around letting go of control, around practicing extreme self-care, forgiveness and worthiness. And we start with JJ's story, how she got into this mindset work. Now, JJ, uh, as of the time of this recording is one of the coaches of one of the largest health care professional masterminds on the planet. She brings together it's kind of crazy. She brings together MDs, NDs, DCs, DOs, PTs, and we all don't fight with each other, (laughs) which is really lovely. And so she is really doubles down on mindset. And we talked about her story, particularly with her son Grant. Now her son Grant was in a catastrophic uh, car accident. I will let you listen into the details in the podcast for the details on that. But what is more astonishing is the way that she he decided to respond and we talk about this idea that we all fall back on the training that we have had to prepare us for mo- for moments for big moments like in her case her son being hit by a car uh, in many of the current narrative in terms of like the political landscape in terms of the pandemic and so I get her to really open up to describe what her thinking and strategy was on how she decided that she was going to get through through this challenge. We talk about what Grant's opinion of it is now, 20 years later, and how we can cultivate resilience. You know, if this is, if you've never had tragedy, I think it's important. Some people might say, well, I've never had, you know, my son's never been hit by a car. I've never had this big story. How can we cultivate resilience in the absence of tragedy? And how do we not let the story for those of us that has been had that have been through big things? How do we not? Let the story consume us. In other words, how do we move from being a victim to being a volunteer and seeing the opportunity in that? And we move into forgiveness, into what it's like to be a coach in terms of coaching, you know, some of the most premier and, you know, most popular healthcare providers on the planet. If you follow healthcare providers like myself and others, it's very likely that they have been touched by JJ and her coaching in some way. And we move into, um, you know, so I asked her at the end, you know, what's something that you used to believe about mindset that you've changed your mind about? And I think that her whole, if you just listen to her steadiness, her confidence and her, um, the through line in all of her thinking is all about doubling down on mindset. She, like I have, you know, written books on metabolism and weight loss and all of that, but it's all for naught if your mindset is not There. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with my mentor and all around badass superstar, JJ Virgin. is such All right, the one, the only, JJ Virgin. Welcome to the Better Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here.
1: I'm so happy to spend time with you, friend. I know, and it's so, I love
0: serendipity because I remember the, the night before we had an email exchange, I was writing in my journal and I said, who do I want to reach out to to be on my podcast? And I wrote your name down. And then, of course, the next morning, sitting in my inbox is an email from you saying, hey, I just you know, finished interviewing uh, so-and-so for my podcast. I want to introduce you. And I was like, that's really great. But what about you? I want you on the, <laughs> the podcast. I want you to be
1: on the podcast and talk about mindset. And, uh, and I like to bring people up. You know that. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Expert pimp.
0: You are an expert pimp. I love that, and I'm excited. I'm excited to have this discussion with you because you are, in my opinion, one of the foremost experts on what it means to be mentally resilient. You know, we were talking in the, in the pre-chat around all the work that you're doing right now with the current situation, and I wanted to really have a discussion with you on how we can, you know, accrue our experiences, like accumulate our experiences, and use them to develop mental grit. And like I said, you are you know a coach to some of the top healthcare providers on the planet. And I want to get into, uh, I, at least I want to discuss with you, what are some of the patterns that you notice in terms of what it takes to be successful, what the differences between those who are successful and those who are not, and some of the challenges um, that we all face. So lots, lots to unpack with you. Today. All right, yeah, and, and
1: that's not a one sentence answer. So yeah,
0: <laughs> so we might be here a while. <laughs> all right, so before before we do all that, I think it's relevant if, if for for listeners who haven't heard of you. Um, I think it might be relevant to as we go into your wisdom to understand some of the hurdles and obstacles that you yourself have, have faced, um, and have had to overcome. And when I look at you, you know, I've, you've come up a lot on my podcast. I've had, uh, lots of people from the mindshare community, which is the community that you run and, You are one of the most wealthiest people I know, not just from a financial perspective, but from a mentally abundant standpoint as well. Like you just said, I'm an expert pimp. I like to give all the stuff away. So um, let's maybe start off with some of the hurdles and obstacles that have really challenged you and how you felt you were equipped or how you dealt with them. And then we can move on into um, patterns and stuff that you see with your clients.
1: All right. And you know, I still think back Stephanie, I had an amazing mentor. And so, so much of this came from her. But when I was working with her, uh, she was training me to be a mindset coach, which I'll, I'll talk about, I didn't realize it at the time. And I remember walking into an event that I was gonna host. It was one of the first ones I was gonna host and train people. And in this room, uh, someone who'd been there before had left this sign in the meeting room. This was at a hotel. Cause so it was very, seemed very random, but of course, it it wasn't it was complete synchronicity there's a sign that says there are no victims only volunteers and as i was listening to you talk the reason that you are successful is exactly how you think of things and and i'm saying you specifically because even the way you were framing this showed that you see things not as a victim but as a victor that when things are a challenge you have that opportunity to step up and show up right and learn from it and be better and I believe we're never better than when we're challenged so I was super frustrated in my 20s because I had a paradigm that wasn't working and my paradigm was that if you want to be successful and help more people which ultimately I think anyone in the health world um, we get into it because we have this vision of, of like saving the world healing people so I was super frustrated because I'd gone to college and then I was in grad school and I was not where I wanted to be in my business. I wasn't able to help as many people as possible. And I moved to Florida and I had this client. I was a personal trainer and doing a little bit of nutrition back then, but really it was more, it was all, I was in grad school for exercise phys. And she said, what are you going to do when you graduate from from a time it was University of Miami. And I go, oh, I'm gonna go get my PhD. She goes, huh? She goes, well, why are you in school? And I go, well, I wanna be more successful, I wanna help more people. She goes, oh, okay. She goes, so you're gonna then go on and get your PhD? And I go, yeah, and she goes, why? And I said, because I wanna help more people. Now, what was funny is this woman was like one of the premier um, coaches in a multi-level marketing company, but her whole sweet spot was mindset coaching. And she grew up in a trailer park, and she barely graduated from high school. And she was a multimillionaire self-made, okay? So I, like, talk about not connecting dots, right? I was, like, you know, telling her I had to go get more college, and she's like, huh. And um, anyway, I still remember it because we were walking down the beach, and she says, you know, when you turn 30, you're going to feel differently. You'll start to wake up to things could be different. And that's important because so much of what we do in life is based on our own constraints, our limiting beliefs. And at 30, she sent me this video about, you know, how to make a bigger impact in the world, how to create leverage, how to duplicate yourself. And it just flipped the light switch on. And I literally got rid of all my stuff in LA. I sold my personal training business because I moved back to LA. I dropped out of my PhD program at USC and I moved to Florida and into her house. <laughs> I think oh, wow. she was like, going, I didn't really mean this. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I kind of go all in and she'd offered to mentor me. So I'm like, okay, let's do this, you know, and it was a, like, I could do it. I was um, single. I didn't have kids, so it was a perfect time. So I moved in, and the first thing she did was put rubber bands around my wrist. And okay, now picture this. I had just gotten rid of a lucrative six-figure business. I have gotten rid of all of my, my apartment, all my stuff. I'd even gotten rid of my car. I'd gotten rid of everything, and I'd moved into her house in Florida. And she has me put rubber bands on my wrist. And I think, Oh my gosh, you are. I can't believe you did this to yourself. What were you thinking? You know, (laughs) like you just did this. But uh, I started doing it. And she said, every time you have a limiting belief, snap your wrist. And boy, by the end of like, the day I'm like, I'm not going to make skin left on my wrist here. <laughs> I realized, like you know, thoughts create. It is so clear that thoughts create, and that everything is created twice. You know, first in your mind, and then in the world. So if you can change your thoughts, you can literally change your life, and you can change the world. And she didn't tell me that at the time. She's just like, just snap that rubber band, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> but she taught me how to tightly control my environment. She's, she taught me never to, never to watch the news. I mean, at the time we had TV and radio, so like no news, no newspaper. This freaked my mom out. She's like, what if something bad happens? I go, I'll hear about it. I'm sure. Um, cause my mom was the total, like, you know, the glass is half empty all the time. And so I was just started to surround myself with only positive stuff. I had a little Walkman with tapes. I had Zig Ziglar and Og and Think and Grow Rich. So I had all this positivity surrounding me. The books I was reading, the tapes I was listening to, the people I surrounded myself. And that's the only way I let it be. And after six months, I was an entirely different person in the way that I thought. It's like now I can spot a limiting belief. It's like I spot that stuff so quickly because of having gone through that. And that really, like when I look at the stuff that I've gone through, that back when I was 30, which instantly I wrote the whole warrior mom book and people are like, how'd you learn how to do this? And I'm like, I don't know. Well, I learned it all when I was 30 with this mindset coach. And then she had me go and coach people all over the place. And that's when you know you really have something is you can teach it. And then it just became me. And I completely forgot that she even existed. Like I totally forgot she was even there and taught me it. It just was who I was and how I rolled and what I did so that when I came up against challenging situations, I didn't become a victim. You know, I I looked at the challenge and I think we're never better than when we're challenged. And I looked at, all right, I mean, you might have an initial freak out, but it's like, really, what's the opportunity here? What can we do here? And what's amazing, Stephanie, is watching how people are going through this pandemic. I have been fascinated by it. I love the saying that Wayne Dyer says, if you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. Because I'm watching people step up into such greatness, such generosity, such empathy, such kindness, doing amazing things, and then I'm watching people do horrible things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I had, a, I had some working for me once, and they did something super bad. I mean, they they basically stole from me. They didn't. And, and when I asked about it, they go, oh, you know, they gave me this whole reason that this happened and that their wife was in the hospital and she was pregnant. And I'm like, if you had just asked, I would have given you whatever you needed, you know? And they justified it that way that it was the only time they'd ever done it and this was why. Mm-hmm. And then of course, Um, I hear a year later, they did it to someone else. You know, it's like, it just reveals more of who you are, right? The the challenges in life. Yeah,
0: 100%. And I I would love if you you can to share the story of your son. Uh, I know you and I have talked a lot about this, you know, off camera and off, um, you know, off the air. But this is, when I think about what happened to your son, this is Probably every it's the a parent's worst nightmare, and I want if if you're okay sharing with sharing mm-hmm. it, I'd love for you to do that because I think that it puts into context the priming that you had from your mentor. And yeah. how you were ready to go, like you just went into, okay, it's go time, like I'm not going to wallow in self pity. And maybe there's a little bit of processing that has to happen. But you immediately went into problem solving mode. And we can parse that with a discussion around the pandemic as well. But if you could share what happened to uh, to your boy,
1: your son. Yes. So... When my son was sixteen, I have two boys. One was fifteen, Bryce, and Grant was sixteen. And it was about a month before my book, The Virgin Diet, was coming out. I'd gotten a great advance for The Virgin Diet. I'd invested every single bit of it into doing a public television show, into a marketing routine, into everything I could do to make that big, big uh, book go big. And I'd also like borrowed a little bit too. So I was like all in on making this book go big. And I'm the sole financial support for my family and a single mom. I come home one night and my 16 year old's all rattled. He wants to go to martial arts, but he had a migraine and missed school, you know, so, but had a magic, incredible recovery as they always seem to have. And so I said, no, well, he got madder and madder stomped out of the house and I went into the, into my garage to work out and then my ex-husband and my other son come storming into the house and they say Grant's been hit by a car and airlifted to the local hospital. And so we drive over there. We don't know anything. They won't disclose anything because he was a John Doe. And when we get there, they take us into a room and they tell us that Grant's suffered severe injuries, you know, life ending injuries that he was alive right now, but sometime in the next 24 hours, his aorta that was hanging on by an onion skin was going to rupture. And he had 13 fractures, multiple brain bleeds. He was in a deep coma. He's still a brain activity though, but they said, you know, we can't fix his aorta here. And you know, if we were to fly him to another hospital to do this, he would never survive that airlift. And even if he were to survive that airlift he's not going to survive that surgery. And even if he were to survive that surgery, he'd be so brain damaged, it wouldn't be worth it. Which that last line, I wanted to reach out and slap that doctor, as you can imagine. And uh, I'm sitting here listening to this. And honestly, Stephanie, it's like you're watching a movie. Like, I think your brain does have to go, this is not real, could not be real. My other son, the mathematician, looks at the doctor, he goes, well, maybe there's a 0.25% chance he'd make it. And the doctor says, yep, that sounds just about right, son. And and uh, Bryce goes, well, we'll take those odds. He's like, that's not zero. And so we overruled this doctor. We drove to the hospital in the middle of the night. No clue if he was going to be, you know, uh, alive or not when we got there. We get to this hospital. This amazing doctor is there. Who's, he's, he's enlisted in the middle of the night. He's brought in six different teams from the thoracic, cardiothoracic team, to the orthopedic team, to the neurosurgery team, to the critical care team, to the PEDE team. I mean, it's like crazy. So he's got them all working on Grant. He got a hold of a stint that was no longer available. It was the one that had been in a study that he wanted to use that was supposed to be used for adults. He's like, I'll ask for forgiveness. And this is the type of doctor you want, total warrior. Mm-hmm. And you know, I walk in, he goes, you the mom? And I go, yes. He goes, I got this. Don't worry. I do this all the time. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go exactly with what you're saying. So we go in and wait. And he comes out a couple hours later and says, all right, he's fine. He goes, now I don't know if he'll ever wake up. I'm just the plumber. And so we kind of go, this this was really the story of the next seven years of, like, highs and lows of, like, he's going to be great. Oh, my gosh, he's, he's, he's going to die up and down. But that first night in the ICU, after it was the first 24 hours, I was standing there, and, I you know, you go through all of those stages that I think Elizabeth Kubler-Ross talks about, like this, you know, disbelief and denial. And I'm standing there, and I go... You know what, Grant, your name means warrior, and you're gonna be 110%. And from that minute on, like that whole training just kicked into place of thoughts create. I would not allow anyone to say anything that didn't see him in 110%. If doctors came in saying, "Oh, we're just trying to get him to walk again or oh, you know, he's never going to wake up." They're like out of the room and and I basically said to them, "I, you know, I'm going to decide whether you're going to be the doctor or not. This is where he's going to be. You're either on the bus or you're not." And I just operated as if he was going to be 110% and I asked my community for help and support. I was like, "Okay, what do we need to do to get him to be 110%, with the most important part of that being that extreme visual, visual visualization, right, of seeing him there, which there were a couple times it was really hard, and I called in friends to help because, like, there was nothing pointing to him being, you know, even making it through the night, much less 110%. But I had to know, even if, because as I was writing the book, he was so suicidal from the brain injury that I didn't know if he was going to make it. I mean, he tried to commit suicide multiple times. And um, I just thought, you know, I just need to know that I've done everything in my power to help him be 110%. That is what this book is about. It's not about my son becoming 110%. It's about how we show up, how we serve, and what, what our mindset needs to be to be able to get through that to have that be able under that level of stress right on a yeah. daily day in day out basis
0: yeah and there's 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 this undercurrent that i i love what you're saying because what i'm hearing is that you what i don't hear a lot of uh experts in this space talk about is this idea of letting go of control. You know, you're let, or letting go of the outcome, right? Like you are in the present right now. And instead of thinking about, oh, well, what if he doesn't make it? And what if my son dies? And you're, you know, he's here right now in the present. What are the decisions that I can make right mm-hmm. now that can help him get to that goal? And so that you, like you said, you know that you've done everything in your power to, to help him get to that goal. And whether or not he makes it, you know, you're sort of not divorcing yourself from the outcome, but giving everything you have in the present without regard for the outcome. And I I, I bring that up because I remember uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, who's been on the podcast. One of the things we were, I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast or if it was in our pre-chat kind of when we were warming up, but we she was talking about the idea that when Eat, Pray, Love, that big, you know, the big, book. Yeah. It was like in a hundred languages, movie, Julia Roberts, blah, blah, blah. She knew that the next book that she wrote was going to fail all, all kinds. So no matter if you were a super fan of Eat, Pray, Love, the next book was never going to live up to it. Right. And if you were someone who hated Eat, Pray, Love, you'd be like, oh no, this bitch is still kicking around. Yeah. You know? <laughs> She's still here. But what she did was she committed to the process of writing. It was like, I don't care what the, what, what the book, what the outcome of the book is going to be. I love writing. So I'm going to do it. And it reminds me of what you're saying, because you're saying, listen, like, I love my son. The outcome, I don't have control over that, but I do have control over what I do right now. So I know that my thoughts become things. I know that if I just focus on the what-ifs and I play the what-if game, that's not going to serve him right now. So I just, I, and it's, it reminds me of almost like a, you know, you think about the hurricane, right? You have like all the, or the tornado and you have all the houses and the roofs are like swirling around. But right at the center of that is this calm, you know, the eye of the storm, which is calm, tranquil, nothing's really happening. And it, it parses well with what we're dealing with right now with the exactly. coronavirus and the economy being shut down. You know, we're seeing people either being triggered uh, to your point where they're just doing terrible things or people stepping up and saying, okay, like this is my opportunity to show, to show up and to help other people.
1: Yes, I got it. When you started to talk about Elizabeth Gilbert, so in my book, in Warrior Mom, I wrote this the quote from her that I love so much, and I'm going to say it the right way because I had to change it in the book, but you'll, know, it's, it's better the right way. The women whom I love and admire for their strength and grace did not get that way because shit worked out. They got that way because shit went wrong and they handled it. They handled it in a thousand different ways in a thousand different days, but they handled it. Those women are my superheroes. Yeah. I just love that so much. And honestly, it was so crazy, Stephanie, because as this whole thing started to happen, I had the same feeling, like I felt that first night in the hospital, the adrenaline, the like everything kind of going okay, right? And you know, that first night in the hospital making that decision that in order to get through this, in order to show up the way that I needed to show up, that the only way I could possibly do that is if I prioritized my self-care above all else, that if I was going to be able to be there for my son, you cannot walk into an ICU with a sniffle. You have to be, right. the guy, you know, my son had had a tube coming out of his brain. He was like high risk for infection. And here you are in a hospital, one of the most, you know, infectious places you can go. So I knew that I had to put myself, you know, no margin for error. I had to do every single thing I could to support my immune system. And it is so counterintuitive to how we behave. People are like, oh, you know, you should uh, go get a massage and have a pizza and relax. And I'm like, no. No. None of that stuff's happening right now. I'm going to make sure every minute counts. I'm getting my sleep. I'm doing what I need to do for stress. I'm taking my supplements. I'm eating correctly. And as I stood, started to watch what was unfolding here, I went, everyone needs, this is, this is probably the first time ever in my lifetime that prevention has gotten to be sexy in front of mind. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, right. usually it's the most impossible thing to convince anybody of. They're like, oh, no, not that, not that. Um and that really, we we can somewhat control if we get this, you know, yes, we can. I've been in my house for a month, not letting anybody in. But for a lot of the first responders, they have to be out there. The only thing that we can control at this moment is how well we take care of ourselves. And... And you might think it's selfish. It is not selfish. Like you are doing everybody else a huge service if you are as strong as you possibly can be during this time. And honestly, forever. Like I, I'm hoping that one of the silver linings of this is for people to understand that health is is the most precious thing that you have. Health is really the, you know, wellness is the new wealth. Like that is what's super important. It's not some like frivolous thing. I remember when I was a personal trainer early on, it was like this, you know, luxury frivolous thing. And I'm like, exercise is not frivolous, right? right eating right. right is not like you're not a a uh, health freak, you know? <laughs> so I uh, that is my silver lining big hope for this is that, People all of a sudden go, okay, meditation is going to be a part of my life, and I'm going to make sure I get my sleep, and I'm, you know, making sure that I connect with other people, and that I'm not eating sugar, and I'm intermittent fasting, all these things that we can do, that are totally within our control.
0: Yeah, and I I love what you're talking about around the idea of selfish because I think that that has such a it, there's such, it's almost like a dirty word it's like a swear word right it's like you just said the S word you said selfish and I like to because I'm a word nerd I really like to distinguish between being selfish and being selfless you know being selfless is where you go in you are a martyr and you put everybody before yourself like if, if you know when we think about your situation with Grant if you said you know what I'm just gonna uh, get the P And I'm going to stress eat and I'm going to drive myself into the ground because that's, you know, I'm being selfless for my son. You would not have had the fortitude to stand up to, you know, the authorities that were saying, well, he has a 2.5% chance or maybe he's, we just got to get him to walk and all this other, you would have allowed that in because you wouldn't have been as sharp and as on your game. And I think that what I, what my hope is, is very similar to uh, to yours, JJ, in that I hope that people, especially the women that are listening, um, to really be prioritizing themselves. You have to put yourself first. It's like the airplane thing, right? Like you put the mask on before you put on the mask. I We uh, that
1: done. early on in our training, though. People just don't pay attention to that. I yeah. think of, uh, I had this client, Stephanie, and she contacted me like we met at an event and she said oh my gosh I need you I need to hire you I almost died I just got out of the hospital a couple weeks ago and I'm the sole financial support for my family I'm so concerned I need to take care of my health and I'm like all right Mm -hmm. so we agree to work together I tell her what I need her to do first I'm having a report in every single day so that she stays on it as she's getting going and I don't hear from her and I'm like what gifts? I give her a couple days because I'm not a babysitter and I reach out and I don't hear from her. Give her a couple more days. Finally she reaches out, she goes, Oh, I'm so 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 sorry. I've been really busy. Mm, I'm like, oh, all right, what have you been busy with? <laughs> well, I had to get life insurance. So before I before I put my health first and start taking care of myself, what I'm gonna do first is make sure that I have life insurance so that since I'm not taking care of myself and I almost just died, that I'm ready. So I won't prioritize my health. You know, I'll prioritize my death, right? And I'm like, wow. I mean, she went through this list of all the stuff she had to do. Nowhere was she on the list. It was absolutely ridiculous. And that is why we've got to shift this mindset because you're right. This whole martyrdom, I have a cousin who is, I think, 10 years older than me. And my mom's like, oh, my gosh, poor Susan. And I go, what, why, what's going on with Susan? She goes, well, you know, she's got, she just broke a hip and, you know, her bones are really fragile and she's got all these health problems. And I go, well, what, you know, how did that happen? She goes, oh, well, she's had low thyroid function. The doctor's saying she's probably had it for 20 or 30 years, but she's never had a physical. (laughs) And I'm like, that is the most selfish thing I've ever heard of, mom. Right. She's got two kids who rely on her. What do you mean? Like, mm-hmm. here's mom thinking, poor Susan. I'm like, poor Susan, mm-hmm. who doesn't know that you need to go get a physical? And if you don't right. feel good and something's off, you go get it checked. Instead, now you're a burden to your family because you were being a martyr. Right. So let's retire that whole martyr thing. It's just like in our world I think that people get badges because they're overworking and they're too stressed and they're and it's like no, that's that's not that's that's not helping anybody.
0: Right. Right. And feeling good is not, um, you know, I, I use the word pleasure, but I, you know, and that can be in the sexual sense, but it can also just be, you know, you're allowed to enjoy your life. <laughs> you know, you're allowed to feel good in your skin and say, you know what, like I look really good in this dress or I am fit enough to run after my kids. Like you're allowed to give yourself that permission to say, yeah, you know what, I'm worth taking, I'm worth the time that it takes to invest in going to the gym to exercise, as you said, or reducing the sugar, as you said, or the intermittent fasting, like all the, you know, the little just things you just rattled off that
1: you're, that you're doing. So yeah. You said that word, the W word, because we queried my community a couple of years ago. And we said, if you were not where you want to be in your health and your weight, why not? And I thought they would say, oh, I cannot quit the gluten or the cheese or the dairy or that yeah. sugar and And the number one thing, because it was one of those, we let everyone write in and we got like novels and the underlying theme of the whole thing was, I not where I want to be because I don't feel like I'm worth it. Mm.
0: I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction. With the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna, it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount that is sunlighten dot com slash b-e-t-t-e-r and use code better at checkout. Is that something you see more in women than in men or do you see it across the board? Totally. Come
1: on. Yeah. Hundred percent. Here's here's a great example of this, and I see this, you know, in my own companies, um, and they've done studies on this. So I've seen it with my own eyes, but I've read the research on it. And you see it with women is women will tend to undervalue their worth. Like if they go in for a job interview, the guy will like overvalue what he's what he's good at. He'll like tell you, you know, blow himself up and tell you he wants more money. And the woman will like underscore things, right, and ask for less money. So. You know, I think it's it, this is some deep, deep programming going on here with this. I'm not like the the men want to win; it's part of their whole tribal thing. And women, uh, you know, gotta gotta take care of each other and be in the tribe. And if you get kicked out, you're you're gonna die.
0: Right, right, right. And so how? So you've talked about some of the tools that your mentor taught you in terms of becoming aware and conscious around your limiting beliefs and like bringing it into the physical body with the elastic band and like, you know, giving yourself a flick every time that you hear it. For someone who doesn't have the opportunity to be mentored by someone like you or someone who... Who hasn't had, you know, a tragedy or, you know, an extreme event in the way that you have experienced? How can someone begin to move from the victim to the volunteer or to, or, or to release the idea that their circumstances are become are because of some externalization well if, you know the economy was like this i would have been like this or if my father was more present then i would have had more co- you know confidence or i mean i'm just yes. making things up but how do, what in your what is it that you see as you know, a coach and a mentor and you've been a mentor to me as well. And there's been times when you've called me out on my shit too, <laughs> uh, which I'm happy to talk about. But what what are what are some of the strategies that have been most effective either for you or the clients that you've worked with in terms of moving from victim to volunteer?
1: Well, I do hugely believe in having coaches and I think you actually can't afford not to. It was interesting during the 2008-2008 economic crisis is when i like joined another mastermind and had hired a mentor and you know my check bounced like i i don't know i was like not totally paying attention to the fact that our economy just crashed but um it was the smartest thing i ever did like i couldn't afford i knew that i couldn't afford it but i also knew that more important i couldn't afford not to and that if i brought my you know same um knowledge base of what I knew how to do to be successful in business, I'd be getting the same results and they weren't where I wanted to be. Um, so I do believe that hiring a coach is super important. And you know, you can get coaches at any level. You can get into uh an online group program for very little money. So there's no excuse on the whole, like I can't afford it thing to me and any of this stuff, because it can come straight down to watching, uh, listening to audiobooks and getting books from the libraries when they reopen, et cetera. I think the most important thing is who you're around. Um, you know, Jim Rohn used to say, has always said that your income is the average of the five people you hang out with. Mm-hmm. And um And then we found out that obesity is contagious you can catch it from your friends i think that um you really need to be careful about who you're hanging out with because if you are hanging out with people who are negative who are victims your your attempt to get out of that is going to be like the crab trying to climb out of the pot they're not going to let you go right and so the first thing that you need to do and i mean now it's It's so much easier to do these things because of Facebook communities, like if you find someone you really resonate with. I think of of people who I always love hearing from, like Mary Morrissey, who we had at Mindshare last year, Lisa Nichols, who you've had over at our. Angel. You know, there's so many really amazing teachers out there just going back and listening to Wayne Dyer teachings. But find your person and join a group and stay in that and and start to clean up your environment because it's just too easy to slide back. And then you have to, like every single day, I control my day. So every morning, I always start with writing down at least three things I'm grateful for. And um, then if during the day, I start to go sideways i will reach out to someone and tell them what i appreciate about them or i'll do something cool for someone i'm always looking for opportunities to do something um more you know to serve more like i was reading this morning that we have a homeless camp here in tampa that needs supplies i'm like you know we have so much and i feel so grateful right now that even 10 years ago I wouldn't have been able to buy more food for a week I wouldn't have been able to like mm-hmm. and so I was like all right like empty out a bunch of stuff and let's take it over there so you know do something like that fastest way to shift your state if you're having a pity party is go help someone else out and then every night it's like what are the little miracles that happened today? What are those wins that Dan Sullivan teaches us to celebrate that it's so easy to forget about to think, oh, that was just a crappy day. It's like, was it really you ended the day still breathing, you know, roof over your head, I think it's probably a lot better day than you realize. So I call that my jam, my gratitude, appreciation and miracle plan. And it's five minutes. And if all you did was just start with that, you in a week will be like, blown away as to the shift it can make, and it doesn't cost anything, you know, (laughs) you can do it with your family. And so that's what's great about so much of this stuff is if you really read back, like, look at Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, what he discovered about these people, like the most wealthy people out there. And when I think of wealth, to me, it's really about the ability to live the life you want around the people you want to be with, and make the impact that you desire. Like, to me, that's absolute wealth. And he found those people. It wasn't because they, you know, were born into it, and it was purely because of the way they think. And we can change that. So that's incredibly liberating. That means anyone has access to that.
0: It reminds me of what you're saying of uh, Carol Dweck's uh, work, the work yeah. on the growth versus fixed mindset, and the idea that we actually can change our thoughts, and our thoughts don't necessarily—they're not always right. You know, we can those. You know, we have unconscious or subconscious programming from Mm -hmm. our parents and from our, I always call them like the fab four, mothers, fathers, teachers, preachers, right? So we have these people that program things into us, but that's also changeable. Like you also can change the narrative that you are talking about Around yourself. And and you mentioned, um, I'll, actually, I'll actually share with you one of the things I've started doing that I really love is I will text my girlfriend every night and I'll say, this is what I'm bragging about for today. So it's kind of like your appreciation, but it's almost like this is how awesome I was today. Because I think as women in particular, we just generally suck at... Thing yeah. you know, here's how I would here's how, how I showed up today. So right now I am you know I do the work that I do. I'm a you know women's health expert. I have the podcast, but now I'm also an unqualified grade four and grade two teacher. Like I'm also <laughs> homeschooling as well. So for me to keep you know my focus and to continue to you know out, have the output of work that I'm still doing, it's hard. Um, so oh. I'll at the end of the day, I'll be like this is how awesome I was. I didn't yell at my kids today. They got all their work done. And I was able to punch out X, Y, and Z or whatever I did, you know, and I did yoga or whatever I did. So, um,
1: that's shout of- out to all the moms here with young kids. Cause like, uh, you know, minor 20, I've got a 21 year old stepdaughter and a 22 year old son. So they're cleaning the house and cooking. And then I, I have other 23 year old son who comes over. And honestly, like I think about that, gosh, if I was homeschooling right now on top of all of it and, yeah. uh, I mean it's so impressive like we should we all need to be cutting ourselves a little slack here right
0: yeah i saw a meme the other day it was a, a dolly parton meme the song 9 to 5 and it's like actually it's like i work 9 to 907 and then i'm interrupted and then it's like 915 to 922 and then it's not you know 1040 to 1043 it's it was so true because the kids are coming down every couple minutes and they're like hey is this right i just did long division is this right you know so yeah. and, and then of course i love high, it but
1: you know you get it all done afterwards so it's like 9 to 5 plus seven to 11. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what
0: happens because when they're done, I'm like, okay, it's 4.30. It's time for me to start working now. Um, So anyway, um, I wanted to, you mentioned Lisa Nichols, who was on the podcast. And one of the things that we talked about with her, and this is just, I wanted to ask this question to you too, because I'm fascinated by the concept of uh, forgiveness. So it's come up a lot, mainly because I, what I have found is when I ask people about forgiveness, there's many different, there's many different roads to it, but we all end up at the same place. So with you in particular, when we talk about Grant, when we talk about the driver uh, or even yourself, you know, there, you could go down the road and I'm sure that you did like, why didn't this, why didn't this woman stop? Why didn't uh, you know, why didn't I, why didn't I stop him? Why didn't I not get into a fight with him? Like, how could I have done that? how, what was your process for forgiveness? And or I'm, I, I'm, you know, the person that you are, I'm assuming you've come to a place of peace around it. What was, what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, um, and it's also something now I'm acutely aware of when I need to, to do this process. So I'll give you the how you know when you need to do this. Okay. Um, so I was fortunate. You know, I didn't think I was holding any, grudges against this woman because I never, when when she, she hit Grant, uh, one of my neighbors actually saw her stop her car. He She didn't, the neighbor didn't see her hit Grant, but he saw her stop her car, get out of the car, gasp, look back, gasp, and get in the car and drive off. And so I never paid any attention to that. I was like, all of my attention was, how do I get my son to 110%? My friends in Palm Desert, where this happened, called me and they said, we're gonna put out an award, a reward to find this woman. I go, why wouldn't we do this? Like I, I, all my attention's over here. It does not matter who this woman is. She will have her own cross to bear. This is, you know, let her go. We don't know what happened here. You know, we're not, We've got zero, we're not focusing on that. Grant's never referred to himself as a victim. And um, the family kind of collectively has decided that this was one of the best things in the long run that's happened to us and for so many reasons. So I didn't think I was like, I'm fine. Then our buddy Dave Asprey was like, you got to come to 40 Years of Zen. And I'm like, I agreed. I didn't know what it was. And I didn't know why he was pushing me so much on it. But turns out he was totally right. And what this is is um, one of his technologies where you put this electrodes on your head and you go through this processing to raise your alpha brainwaves. Well, the way you raise your alpha brainwaves, the easiest, which is how you have more joy and creativity and positivity and happiness is through forgiveness. Because if you've got forgiveness, it basically is gonna crush your joy. It's gonna keep you angry and resentful, can make you sick. And so I um, didn't really think I had anyone to forgive because I used to be a little revenge holder, but I thought, oh, I let that go. I, you know, I tell people, oh, you know, I just put that in the closet and shut the door, mm. which doesn't work at all. <laughs> it does not work because um, it's in the closet. If you open the closet, it all comes out. So I went through this process and the process is, is really interesting because the first thing you do is you pick your, you pick your courthouse and the location, and the judge, and the jury, and so you put this all into your mind, and you're seeing all of this, and then you bring out the person you're charging, so at first it was this woman, and you're, in your mind, you're thinking through this whole thing, and and charging her with the crime, and you basically charge this person with the crime, and because you've got these electrodes on your head, you can hear the tones, and when the tones calm down, it means you've kind of got it all out on the table. Until the tones calm down, you just keep going. So charge her with the crime. And then the next thing you do is you become the person being charged and you become, you explain yourself and it allows you to become completely empathetic. And so when I stepped into her shoes, I was explaining how, you know, I didn't see him, he was wearing dark clothing, he's, you know, I was paying attention to the road, he ran right out in front of me looking at his phone, and my baby was at home, and the babysitter was leaving, and they were going to, the cops would come and take, you know, I had this whole story about, like, you know, she was in little her kids, etc., blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we go through that, and then you go back and you forgive the person, and then you have to check in with your judge and jury to make sure that you actually did. And this is all done with these tones that you're producing through your brain waves with these electrodes. And so basically the machine can know if you're cheating or lying or not, right? But mm-hmm. cool about it is once you learn how to do that, how to train your brain that way, you can repeat it. In everyday life and I think the takeaway here is that I think we we tend to think that forgiving someone means you call someone and go hey I forgive you it's got nothing to do with that and people always say to me well I can't forgive that person they're dead or I can't forgive that person I'm never talking to them again I go it's got nothing to do with them it's giving you peace like I forgave that woman but once I forgave that woman I went you know I need to forgive myself because I'm upset that I let him go. But then I need to forgive him because he stormed out and did that, you know, so it just kept going and going and going until we let all go. If you still have charge around something, if you're angry, upset, most likely you have some forgiveness that needs to happen in there. And that's how I can tell. And sometimes I'll go through the process and I can't get there and I might need to let it sit for a little bit. Um, but it was interesting. I'm trying to remember the guy who did the study where he found that he was looking at, um, I think it was Sandy Hook when that whole shooting happened and the kids who had the best uh, mental outcomes from that were the ones that went through and forgave and the ones who didn't, didn't. And as he was doing all this research around forgiveness and who has the best mental outcomes, his mother was murdered. Mm. And literally he went through forgiveness process for the murderer within 24 hours because he knew how critical it was for his mental health. So the takeaway here is that this is nothing to do with the other person. This is peace for you.
0: That's incredible. I love that. I Let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about your coaching and some of the uh, the people that you have worked with uh, through Mindshare and through the mastermind that you, um, that you run. What are... Some of the common patterns that you've noticed. I mean, and these, I, I should also preframe this like, these are some of the biggest medical doctors, uh, OBGYNs, chiropractors, naturopaths, like the whole gamut of, I mean, first, even just that Mindshare exists is, is almost an anomaly because it's like, what, you're going to sit down and have like NDs and DCs and MDs and OB gyns and they're all going to sit at the same table and they're all going to get along. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the, I remember, I remember when I first was introduced to Mindshare, I was like, what, what do you mean? Like it's only chiropractors are only supposed to go to chiropractic conferences yeah. and medical doctors are only supposed to go to <laughs> medical conferences. And you were like, no, we're all going to go. We're all going to get yeah. together. We're all going to peer share and we're all going to get better. But
1: then um, I mean, you then have to put in there that we've got vegans and paleos and keto. Oh, yes. That's you know, right. That's right. And then they all have to get along too. So. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes and it's and we all sit at the same table like i I've sat with vegans gotten you know you know gotten along with them uh famously and um and it's it's an interesting i mean if only the world could take you know a couple of lessons from mm-hmm. mindshare uh especially right now because uh, it's it's interesting too I don't know if you've noticed this in the news, but there is there are two ends of the spectrum in terms of what we are seeing like first, you see the news like everyone's dying world is coming to an end there's like 4 million new coronavirus cases today and then there's other people that are like i don't believe that this is a big deal like it's really interesting the cognitive biases that we have when we are and you know not to say one way or another because that doesn't matter but it's interesting when you're viewing the way that people are reacting to this in some ways, I think that this whole pandemic is actually bringing up a lot of trauma because I know oh, for myself, definitely. I am a control, like I like to control things. and I know where that comes from. It's from my past. So it's this has been difficult for me in some ways to say like, you can't tell me to stay home. Like I, I know I work from home, but like I want to be the one to decide that I'm going to work from <laughs> home. Like you can't tell me, you know? Um, so I, my, I wanted to uh, maybe talk a little bit around what are some of the common even in, in the medical doctors and the, and the DCs and the NDs and stuff that you coach, what are, are, are the patterns very similar? Do you see that it's about having to forgive, feelings of worthiness, practicing extreme self-care, like all the things that we've talked about, are those deficits that you see even in our healthcare providers?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting when I start out, I think that there's in some of... Some of the doctors, they think because they went to medical school, that all this other stuff should come easy for them. And I'm like, this is completely different than anything you've ever learned before. So this is Mm -hmm. like, you're going to have to, it's starting over, which no one ever wants to start over, especially when they've reached a certain level. So there's that piece of it. But I would say that the biggest block that always happens um, along the path is is it's always a mindset piece. It always comes down to a mindset piece. There's something holding them back that we have to figure out. Where I always start when I'm working with someone, because a lot of times they'll come and go, Okay, I want to have a New York Times bestselling book. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard, okay, I want to have a New York Times. And I'm like, all right, why? You know, and they'll say, oh, um, for the credibility. I'm like, well, there's a lot easier ways to get credibility. You actually already have credibility. So what's the other, you know, we have to keep pulling back the layers, peeling the onion to get to why they really want to do what they do. That always has to come first in any of these things, right? It may be that they want to create financial security because they had none growing up. Maybe because they want, you know, significance is so important to them. If you look at all the, the needs that Tony Robbins talks about, they become so important here. It's like, is that need to be significant? Need to be heard? Need to be loved? Like, what is going on here? And then you start to look at what, okay, what are the things holding you back here, this belief that you know doctors shouldn't talk about those things, or uh, you know, if I do that, my friends will laugh at me. That used to be a big one that's gotten that we've gotten through a lot of. But man, they're very catty uh, catty situation with um, with doctors. When they see one doctor really stepping up and showing up, they'll tend to like be the crabs in the pot. That's why yeah. you have to have yeah. a group that will lift you up and hold you up. I've seen it so many times as someone started to get out there and share and support communities, and then someone else will just put them down. I had one doctor who, and I think you might remember this from the mastermind, some other doctor wrote them the scathingest email about how dare they, you know, show up and go on TV, and and I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, part of the challenge is if you, and it's why in um, MindShare we do awards every year. And in our award ceremony, we also have a part called Insanity Awards, where we literally celebrate the haters and the meanies. Because what I've seen is if, if you are going to go out in the world and make a difference in the world, you are going to have people who are going to say nasty things about you. I mean, case in point, Rachel Ray has haters. Rachel Ray. Right. Rachel Ray. Like, come on, you know, it's like if if Rachel Ray can have haters, my gosh, you know, we're we're all in deep, deep doo-doo here, right? So what I've had to really train people is if you really want to step up and show up, you've got to be prepared to take the arrows. You've got to. But we're all around you holding you up, too. Like all of us will help you as that happens because all that happens as you're taking the arrows is it makes means you're making a bigger impact. If no one's talking about you, if no one's saying any nasty stuff, it's because you're not being hurt. Right. You know, it's like in yeah. that like look what's going on right now with the pandemic. Just like you said, there's there's one side over here. And they're like, this is all like it's 5G and this is all manufactured. I'm like, yeah, but it, there's, it's going on in countries where there's no 5G. So how do you explain that? You know, or mm-hmm. this is just Bill Gates over here trying to create this thing to create i like, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, right. you know? or right. it's like the Bible said this or someone else going, you know, and I kind of look at it go because you see what people pay attention to based on what they value. People are like, you know, you just got to keep the economy going and just lose lives. I'm like, huh really? I'm not sure that's the best one. Um, but you do get so many different opinions. And I look at this whole situation, and I can't help but think, what if this wasn't political? What if this wasn't anyone having a need to be right? What if we just shared the information, state completely open to the possibility of it could be anything? It could be, it could be you know, a bat. It could be biological warfare. It could be five G. It could. It could be Bill Gates. It could be anything. And why don't we just all share the information as to what all the possible causes are and all the possible solutions without pointing fingers or blah blah blah? You know, and mm. see what happens. What wouldn't that be in a most amazing situation? And we get to an answer, a solution, way faster without everyone mad at each other.
0: Well, I think when you, I mean, that also demonstrates your. Uh, expertise in the, you know, the devil is always in the details. It's never just going to be Bill Gates is an evil person trying to put microchips in us and, or, and, or it's all 5g and or whatever things that are sort of floating around. There's always an uh, Ari uh, who is in Ari Witten uh, had just put up a post on this the other day and he put something up to the effect. It was on his Facebook profile page and he said, Why don't you, before attacking someone else, think about if you are an expert in the field, would you go and debate another expert who held an opposing view as you? And I thought that that was such an interesting thought experiment because I can tell you that I have been in practice, you know, working in a brick and mortar and now in an online capacity for 16 years... Around metabolism, around female health. And I probably would think twice before I sat down with someone and debated them. Even though I have the 10,000 hours of mastery, my head is like every Saturday morning, my head's in PubMed, I'm reading all the time, you know. And I think that when you hold such an extreme position, often it means that you don't understand the full picture because it's not people are not inherently 100% altruistic or 100% evil. There's always a nuance. There's always a bit of a a mix. And the the truth is somewhere in the middle. You just have to kind of dig for it, which I I appreciate you saying a lot because I think that there has been a lot of extreme uh, opinions that have been put forth. And I think there's nothing wrong with those opinions, but you have to take them in jest with some of the other opposing mm-hmm. opinions. And you have to look at fact and you have to separate emotional char- emotionally charged things, which is kind of coming back full circle to this idea of you need to heal the triggers and the trauma that you have, that you are susceptible to in a time like this, where you are seeing people's tra- triggers kind of flare up. And if you're able to neutralize that charge, as you said, through the process of forgiveness or through the process of Understanding your worth, then we can start to make these like stepwise, you know, these this, the progression forward and through rather than trying to get around it.
1: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And could I just say one thing there, though? It's really driving me crazy that when I'm yes. hearing supplements don't do anything. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Let's touch that on one, that. Let's touch on that. That, that. one's let's driving me nuts. And I think yeah. it, one came from the Canadian Dietetics Association. The, di- the Dietitian's Association. I'm like, yes. shame on you, because yeah. there, there's no research. I go, there is so much research on nutrient deficiencies putting you at risk for viral infections, mm-hmm. and there's no risk. So shame on you. I- you know what
0: they said, actually? They said that your diet doesn't influence your immune system. So that was number one. And then the second was no supplement can, I think that the wording was, was careful, though. It was something like no supplement can treat or prevent COVID-19, which at this point, we don't, that is a factual statement. However, the suggestion is that you cannot take supplementation to amplify uh, immune system integrity, which is incorrect.
1: Yeah, of course it is, and I actually saw a doctor saying, you know, you can't boost your immune system. I said, well, you can't boost it, you can't deplete it either. Like you, you, you can't do one without the other. So, mm-hmm. so if you're saying that, like, the, then the opposite's true too. But that doesn't make any sense. So you know, those are just some of the things I look at and I go, well, you know. How, Let's be helpful here. The idea that food doesn't matter is the most ridiculous thing ever. Of course Mm -hmm. it does, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. if that wasn't the case, why are people who are overweight and diabetic having more problems? Right. Right. So there you go. Anyway, I just had to say that's the only one. That's not an
0: extreme view. That's a view that's based on fact. Right, Like the, the, the issue that I take with a statement like diet does not, it's an absolute, like diet does not influence your immune system. Is like, well, ex- what
1: fasting does and explain that to me then. Like I, exactly. what's fasting to white blood cells? Because I don't understand. It's, it, is, is that not true? Because that's a pathway. Right. Deep cleansing breath. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> what What is something that you used to believe about mindset that you've changed your mind about? Because you just have such a depth of wisdom and such a, you know, such a breadth of experience that I think is... Um, and, and your fortitude in terms of where you stand is also, I mean, I'm just watching you. So people who are listening to this don't get to see it, but you'll see this in some of the video promos when the, when the episode comes out. Um, what is something that you used to believe that you no longer believe around, around mindset and developing a growth mindset? Hmm.
1: You know what's so interesting, Stephanie, is that this has been a part of me for so long now. Because literally in my mid-20s was when I started to work with uh, Kay Smith. And so it's been 30 years.
0: It's only been two years, JJ. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) I know. Isn't that (laughs) great? I know. Sometimes I'll do these podcast interviews and I'm sitting there going, oh, they must just think, wow, like, okay, you're so old. But um, it's been so long that I can't remember – ever thinking anything differently. You know, it's like, it's just always been the way that I've lived. And again, I mean, such huge gratitude. And just think, Stephanie, if we taught, you know, if we taught like Think and Grow Rich and the Power of Positive Thinking, if we we taught these things in elementary school, Oh, my God. Think what the world would be like if we mm-hmm. taught people that the first thing that you need to do to have a really, really good health and a really good life is to think that you are having a really good, <laughs> a really good health and a really good life. Like, step one, see it, see what it is, be so clear on that picture. Right. I had an amazing doctor uh, I was working with in L.A. who it was kind of interesting. He was an obesity specialist, but he was obese. It was very strange. And it was kind of like whenever I talked to him, I I, and I was working with him, but I was like, I I couldn't really say, but look at you. But it was always like that pink elephant in the room of like Mm -hmm. you're an obesity specialist and you're obese. Mm -hmm. But he said, you know, I have a process that works 100 percent of the time with people who are overweight. And of course that would beg the questions like, why didn't you use this? But yeah. Yeah. however, I started using, it. I used it in my TLC freaky eaters um, show with one of the gals there. And it is, he said, you take a picture of your face and put it on the body of the person that you want to look like, like the, the body that would be your dream body that would really make sense for your body type and everything else. Yeah. And then you, you know, carry it everywhere, see it. And it's that whole, um, you know, that whole idea of Wayne Dyer of, you know, you'll see it when you believe it. Right. It's like that first thing of seeing it in your mind's eye, seeing it, seeing it, seeing, because then you'll behave as if.
0: Yeah. That reminds me of Emily Fletcher. She talks about, she's been on the podcast uh, as well. And she talks about, who I know you know very well. And she talks about manifestation and being very clear around the words that you use. Like, oh, um, I want to be, I want, I'm trying to think of a negative. I can't think of a negative off the top of my head, but she said, don't use negatives. I don't,
1: (laughs) what's that? It's good you can't think of a negative, right?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of like, oh, I don't want to be overweight. Maybe that might be like, you know, Don't think about it that way, but say, I want to be able to express health abundantly. I want to be able to release the excess weight or baggage that I have for X and Y and Z reason. But being Mm -hmm. very clear on that. So, just like what you're saying, like to be very clear in your mind's eye to be able to see it, because then, as you said, you start behaving in a way like it's already here.
1: Yes. And I remember way back. I'll give you a financial one. So I was a personal trainer in the eighties and I made uh, in the eighties, I was making 10 grand a month in cash, but I could never make past that because there was only so much time and I was exhausted and I started speaking to push past it. And then I was like, all right, I got to figure out how to make $25,000 a month. Now the the mistake was, and then I got to that and I got stuck again. Mm. Why? I didn't say, I want to make $10,000 or more a month. I want to make $25,000 or more. You know, it's always add to whatever you're manifesting or envisioning. You know, my son will be 110% or more better than he's ever been. You know, it's like, it's like, or more plus, so that you don't limit yourself and get stuck. Cause I kept getting stuck again. And then I was like, you know, Oh, I forgot that other part at the end, So mm-hmm. that's the other piece. But it's, it is, uh, it's so fun to when you really understand how thoughts create and, and how much power you have over your own dominion. It's like, it's, it's so, it makes life so much more, fun. And even in a scary, scary time like now, you can sit there, I'm really focusing on, all right, I was in Israel in early February. Like, we're amazed now, I was with Mary Morrissey, and I'm like, how the heck did we manage to get through all that? Like, everything's closing. And, you know, I brought all this immune stuff and masks and, and sanitizers, everything for, for us to go through this. But I remember standing there at um, the place where Jesus had healed the parasitic and, and, or or paral- paralytic, paralytic. And Mary said, think about something, you know, something that you want to show up for yourself. And I'm standing there kind of going, what, is, like, what, what is it? What is it? And I thought, you know, what I really want in my life is spaciousness and, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yes, I'm working a lot right now, but I actually feel like I have a lot of spaciousness. And so I wonder what we can learn from this, what all of us can learn from this, because I've been traveling 70 hours, 70 plus percent of the time running around like crazy. And do we really need to do that? Like, Mm -hmm. can we connect more virtually? Like, could we could we could we ease off the planet a bit like what what are going to be the lessons for for all of this happening right now? my biggest hope that is that we'll look at all this and go okay what are what are lessons we can pull from this that will serve us moving forward number one being we've got to pay attention to prevention that it really needs to be first and foremost that Prevention needs to be the new diet book. You know, everybody always looks, I want to lose 10 pounds. How about I want to have that rock star kick and ass immune system ever. And I'm going to put my health as the number one most important thing. And then like next up would be your relationships, right? How about if this whole, op- this whole situation right now, you know, won't be for naught if we, if we look at the lessons we can learn from it and create opportunities through it to be better to ourselves and better to this planet.
0: Me too. Pinky promise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope that we'll come out of it because uh, I, what I have been finding is the things that are not necessary are just, they have to be disregarded by the wayside in order to be able to continue working at the, you know, with some of the extra, you know, the yeah. extra added things that are uh, now vying for
1: my attention. So letting go of the things that don't matter. And I love, right? How few, like, that's what I had to do when I stood in the hospital with Grant. I'm like, all right automate, delegate, delete. What doesn't have to happen? There's so many things we do that don't need, and things we buy, and things we use, yeah. we don't need, right?
0: And if you told me, you know, two months ago, you know, you're going to have to not get on a plane from, you know, March to, I don't know, June, I would, I would have said, I'm sorry. It's like, I can't, I can't not get on a, I have to go to paleo. Yeah. Yeah, I'm important. I have to fly. (laughs) You know, you, like I would have told you that is impossible. You know, my work, you know, I, I, for professional development, for client, like that would be impossible, but here I am. I mean, maybe it's on June. I don't know I don't know when it is that, you know, we'll fly again. It could be August or it could be whenever, but, um, yeah, it's interesting how everything gets called under the microscope for you to say okay, what what can I automate, delegate and and delete. That's that's wonderful. JJ, it's always wonderful to sit and talk with you. Every time I talk with you, I always feel more powerful somehow. I feel taller. And I feel
1: you're Wonder Woman, my friend. (laughs) 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 And we are all stronger than we think, right? I mean, that is that is the big takeaway. So many people when I went through this story with my son, they're like, I could never do that. I'm like, you'd be amazed what you can do. And we are so much stronger than we think. And I think that's the real lesson to carry through right now with what's going on is this is an opportunity to show up and to serve, look for those opportunities, because you're so much stronger than you think.
0: Amen. Eight to the men, JJ. Thank you so much. Thank you for the time you spent today. I know you're very busy. Um, so I appreciate it. And, uh, I will talk to you very soon. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with JJ. And I hope that that provides a little bit of inspiration and for you to double down on your mindset in the coming weeks. I know every time I get to speak to JJ, hang out with her, text with her, anything, I'm always feeling stronger, more embodied, and more motivated to do the things that I know that I should be doing that maybe I'm procrastinating on. So uh, thank you, JJ, for always being the kick in the butt and the voice of reason that we all need. And I wanted to invite you, Betty, if you are really loving these podcasts, if there's a question that you want me to answer... I want to invite you to our Facebook group. So the Facebook group is free. It's called the Better Podcast Community. So you can just look it up on Facebook. It comes up. It's free. And this is where I want to begin cultivating and answering questions for you. So we've done this before in our Ask Me Anythings. And I think I'd like to also start to integrate these into my geeky magic episode. So if you have like a specific question, I know last week someone asked about cellulite and I was like, oh, that's a really good one. We're going to do a geeky magic all about cellulite. I would love to hear them. There is no question that is off limits. You can come into the Facebook group. We've also had people submit them anonymously. So we've had people reach out to my support team, support at drstephanieestima.com and email in your questions. And I see all of them. I am amalgamating all of them and I am answering them as quickly and thoroughly as I can. So I hope that you will join the Betty army, join the tribe, join the sisterhood. And I am looking forward to seeing you there very soon. So until uh, we meet again later this week, I bid you adieu. All right. I hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. And now for the obligatory legal disclaimer, this podcast is for information purposes only and is not intended to replace primary healthcare such as medicine or chiropractic. It is not intended to replace the advice, diagnosis, treatment or programs of care from your primary healthcare provider. In listening to this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed and the use and implementation of the topics and strategies discussed are at the sole discretion of the user.